0: Jesus, I ask, Lord, that you would come and you would teach us this morning. The Holy Spirit, you would um, take my words and and take your word, Lord, and just breathe on them, Lord, so that we would know how to be more like you and how to follow you into real life, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, that when you come to us, you come with kindness and with grace and serving us, Lord God. And it blows us away. So Lord, teach us this morning um, how to be servants. Amen. Amen. So uh, we just finished a a long series. Uh, It was like, like, what, four years, wasn't it? Four years here. This is a long series on the Holy Spirit, which is fantastic. And we're into kind of our our summer period now where we Kind of freestyle a little bit. Um, So I've got something really specific I want to talk to you about this morning. But what I want to do before I actually get there is just talk about um, these three words. Now, if you've been around us for any period of time, you'll see these words um, pop up on all kinds of different things, on the stuff we produce, on our welcome packs, uh, on the little notice sheet that you get, and uh, a different, on our website. And also, if you, if you come to um, Essential 101, which is our kind of introductory uh, course to kind of who we are as a church and why we do things well, they'll talk about these three words. And some of you will know these off by heart. You'll be like, yeah, the three G's, I've heard it. Some of you would have been like, I haven't heard it for a while. Some of you would just be like, what? You know, so I'm just going to kind of just quickly go through these. But what I really want to talk about this morning is, is the last one. This is where we're going to concentrate for a while. But let me run through these things for you. These three words help us to remain focused on, on what we're doing here uh, in this church, or of what God's doing here. These three words, like they help us kind of navigate uh, everything we do. They're really a helpful kind of aid for us. So w- the first word is gather. So we believe that God is a gathering God. So let me, let me break that down for you. We, we think that God draws people to himself. I mean, we're involved, don't get me wrong, we have to tell people, we have to love people and all that. But at the same time, we're not just on our own doing that, but God himself is drawing people. That in people's lives, God is getting in their way and he's moving circumstances and he's doing stuff and all these coincidences are happening and slowly God is, is beckoning people to himself. So we, we believe in gathering. We believe that God's gathering. We believe that he calls us to gather. So that affects all the stuff we do. So we, uh, we try and make it very friendly and open. We try and um, make the language we use and the, and the music we have very accessible and very easy. As you walk into this building, you, you, know, you don't see crosses. You don't see stained glass. You don't see a, a bunch of stuff that might um, put people off if you want or, or give people a certain kind of, oh, I know what this is about. You know, we really want to make it super easy for people to come in because we want to gather. We believe that, that, that God loves people and that He's drawn into Himself. And if you're here this morning, if you're just kind of a first time guest or a second time guest, you know, and you came just because of an invite or something, or maybe you just came. Occasionally we have people, they just turn up, don't they? And they're like, I was looking for something spiritual, so I came here. That's cool. And uh, But if you're here this morning, uh, you know, we believe that. It wasn't just the person who invited you or just your decision, but actually God was uh, kind of wooing you to come. So we believe in gathering heavily. But secondly, we we believe in growing. That actually it's not just enough to get a bunch of people together in a place and go, wow, we have a church, look what we've done. But actually we want to grow up. If God is a gathering God, then there must be a reason why he's trying to call people to himself. So we want to learn to grow uh, and grow up into the things that God has for us grow out of some of the things that he says are harmful for us and the people around us and we want to grow in, in doing all the things that God would call us to as a church all the different activities and things we do so we're gathering but then we're growing as well and uh, thirdly we want, to, we want to just give it away and what that means is that when we, when we discover God when he begins to work in our lives when we begin to grow and find man this, this works we don't just want to keep it for ourselves and go wow this is good Jesus is so good to me. Church is so much fun for me. But actually we, we want to give it away. We want to go, wow, this is so good. I've just got to let other people know. I've just got to share this with people. So we believe in just giving stuff away. That's why we have all these different ministries and activities trying to involve more people and trying to bless more people. And I'm going to get a whole lot more into that today. That's why we, uh, we, we often deal with the issue of money and say, you know, you need to sort the money thing out. That's, that sort of giving, that if God has blessed you, in your life you need to share that with God and also with others you need to learn to, to be generous and stuff so that's kind of the three G's uh, and that's kind of that's, that's just kind of my, my take on them there are some other aspects probably but if you want to know more about that uh, Essential 101 next time it comes around if you haven't done that uh, check it out it will help you out but I want to talk now a little bit on, on the giving bit not because it's more important than the others but just because I, it just at the moment is something that's kind of happening with me and uh, I run the, the Burn Church, which is our evening service, meets at um, quarter to eight, and, or eight, depending. And uh, I've been talking uh, for a couple of weeks about this already. So this is kind of, there's some bits of that. So if you've been at Burn, you might go, this is familiar, okay? It is familiar, but it's also, it's God talking to you again. Um, so uh, I want to talk to you about giving, because the Jesus that I've encountered is not a, a guy who hoards stuff for himself, but actually a guy who's deeply generous. And Jesus, as you read the Gospels, you see him time and time again um, giving and showing kindness and not hoarding the things he knows about God and the things he's experiencing, but wanting everyone um, to step into them. Um, I want to read to you um, a scripture from Philippians, from uh, two Philippians. But first I want to ask you a question. Um, If you had to take everything about yourself, all your characteristics, and you had to strip all of your characteristics by one thing that would still represent who you are at your core, what would it be? Some of you might say, well, you know, I'm really funny. People, they, they, when I'm around, you know, I'm the life and soul of the party. So you might strip all the other things off uh, your intelligence and wealth and uh, your relationships, and say actually the thing that represents me most is my humour. If you kept my humour, that would it'd still be me. Some others of you in this room and looking around this morning, not too many. You might say it's your beauty. Okay. You might say you could get rid of everything, but I need my beauty for people to know who I am. Okay. Even. Less of you might say, it's my great intelligence. I need to keep my great wisdom. I need to be able to say, now you must do this, the Lord says that. Okay, If I keep that, you can strip everything else off and you'd still know who I am. Now, I don't know what that is for you. and It's a big old question. You might be sitting there thinking, I don't know what. But I want you to just hold that question in your mind. And I'm going to read this scripture. Because... Part of what this author in Philippians, a Paul, is saying, he's telling us about a moment where Jesus, God, steps out of eternity and becomes into the body of Jesus, and he's telling us that certain things got stripped off, but he retained a certain thing about his character that spoke of who he was at his core. So this is in 2 Philippians, starting at verse 1, and it says this, And this is Paul writing to a bunch of Christians in Philippi. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? They make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take interest in others too. Then he says this. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honour and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now this is a really kind of so much stuff in this passage. It's really a famous, famous set of verses, you know, certainly for the Christians and I just, I just love what it says about Christ, what it reveals to me about the, the f- foundation of God. His real core character, you know, when you get down to it, when you strip some of the stuff that's not necessary, necessarily necessary about him, this is what he kept, that Jesus, when uh, he came, when God, when he came a man, he had to lose some stuff, okay, because God's omnipresent, right? Long word for meaning God is everywhere all the time. But if God was going to become a man, he had to strip some of that, right? Because I'm going to be in one place. So that went. We have another word, uh, another long, omni, that, uh, that God is omniscient, that he knows everything, right? He's always, he's knowing everything, seeing everything, hearing everything. And, and I think when Jesus came, that that went. Because Jesus, it was going to be too much for Jesus walking around trying to get stuff done in a physical human body. But at the same time, knowing everything that was happening could be a little bit confusing, I mean, for me personally, if I've got more than two things in my brain and you're talking to me, I'm lost. Seriously, some, I just glaze. Sometimes you see me just glaze over because I can't handle like hearing you and thinking about what to have for lunch. Oh, so it's just too much. So that had to go. So he stripped a whole bunch of stuff. And what we're actually told is, it says that though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. But he gave up. He gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave. When Jesus came to us, he took the position of a slave, of a servant. Jesus came as a servant, as a slave. Depending on your, your Bible translation, you might have slave or servant there. And the original word it's more slave. And what it means is... Um, It's not a slave in that he was forced against his will. It's actually a slave who who chooses to be a slave. Someone who decides, I'm going to serve this person with everything I have in my whole life. So it says that when Jesus came, he chose that. He chose to be someone who would serve people with his whole life. So if we're going to grow as followers of Jesus, I've got to tell you, until you begin to tackle this issue... Until you begin to realize that Jesus is a servant, that he gives himself away. Until you realize that actually if you're going to follow Jesus, you have to begin to take on that characteristic in your life. You'll keep hitting walls and you won't be able to grow into the places that Jesus wants you to. We have to learn that we have to become servants. I learned this kind of early on about... um, a year or two after I became a Christian, uh, I began to um, preach and do things. And um, a friend of mine was a worship leader, so we would start um, because you know no one would pay us to do it or anything. We just started doing it on our own. We started these celebration kind of evenings, and I would preach and he would do worship, and it got better and better. And people were like, "Wow, you're really good at preaching," and I said to my friend James, "Wow, you're amazing at worship." And we we kept doing it, and then eventually we went away for this. Um, big youth weekend away with this kind of um, organization in North London and James led the worship and it was like wow it's like Gabriel has come down and led worship it was glorious and then I led and it was like Jesus had come again but only ginger it was it was just amazing We had a fantastic time and just felt so like wow man I'm right in my groovy spot here I found my place And uh, the weekend was over uh, and we were just sort of getting ready to go and James and I packed up our stuff and um, we went to this guy called Phil who was the the kind of organiser of the whole weekend and we said, right, we're going to, we're gone jet, uh, done the preaching and James was like, done the worship leading, we're going to go. You know, we're like, we've been working hard for Jesus. And Phil says, no, 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 you you can't go, we've got to clear up. And I was like... What clear up what my sermon notes? What we were? <laughs> he goes, No, we 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 got you gotta stay and you gotta help clean. And I was like huh? I preach the word. <laughs> he said, You clean the toilets. <laughs> and he gave me some marigolds, he gave me a mop and some jiff or whatever, and he gave James like a bucket and some, and he said, You go and you clean the toilets. So obviously, very graciously and very humbly we went. And, uh, I, I, and you've got to bear in mind, okay, this is a youth weekend. And this is men's toilets, okay? And uh, so we went and we cleaned them. And I began to learn a lesson that day that has stuck with me. Um, leave quickly. Um, but also, also, um, I learned that if I was going to stand at the front and speak, I've got to be invisible at the back and serve. I just learned that. I just said, okay. This is following Jesus. I I get to preach and do the fun stuff. If you like all the stuff that outwardly I think that's great. But then actually I have to learn to be a servant. That I was preaching a more important sermon. Staying and cleaning. Than I was when I was just kind of standing up and doing my thing. And I've learned this. And there's been times I'm better at it and times I'm worse. But I've learned. Following Jesus this is what it's about. That it's not. Just about what, what I get and what, whether I find a spot that I enjoy and I'm comfortable in. But actually, it's about I've got to become like Jesus and He's a servant. And it's about learning that my life has got to be about other people as much as it's about me. So I want to talk a bit more about this and I'm going to use a, a passage in, in Matthew. And if you've got a Bible, you're more than welcome to turn to it. It's in Matthew 20. And um, you know, there are, there are a couple of great stories in the scriptures about mothers and uh, they're always great and I I love it whenever you see it like there's in John's gospel at the first miracle there's a great moment between Jesus and his mother and I love the fact that even Jesus had a mother who kind of ignored him (laughs) or assumed certain things I just it helps me bond with Jesus a bit more that Mary was a bit of a nightmare mum Okay, and uh, it's interesting. If you if you go to John, it's the, it's the first miracle, and they're at a wedding, and and it's thought that Jesus and the disciples turned up uninvited, which is why they run out of wine. And uh, sorry. and uh, and uh, Mary comes up to Jesus, and he's like, Jesus, uh, so she's like, Jesus, they've they've run out of wine, and Jesus is pretty rude. If you look at the original, he said, "Woman's, what's, what's this got to do with me and you?" And then Jesus says, "It's not my time. It's not my time to be helping out." And then Mary just goes to some servants. Do what he says. <laughs> totally ignores the Lord. He's like, woman, it's not my time. Do what he says. <laughs> just totally, you know like that moment where your mum or your dad, just, just you, you, you stand up for yourself and they just go, <laughs> yeah, yeah, good one. Um, and... Uh, Jesus then turns the water into wine. Now, I have some questions about this. Not, I just, well, this is the point. I'm thinking about this. How did Mary know Jesus would do that? And I had this scenario in my mind, okay? A Middle Eastern crash, Drunk babies everywhere. Jesus, come, Jesus is there. Uh, Mary comes in and goes, oh, what? how did they get drunk? And Jesus is just sitting there smiling. <laughs> you turned the water into wine, didn't you, baby Jesus? Yeah. What a useless miracle. That will never come in handy. Anyway, so there's a, I just, just, my mind goes off, I'm sorry. Um, So there's another mother moment in Matthew 20, in verse 20. Let me read it to you. The mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request? He asked. She replied, In your kingdom, please let my sons sit in the places of great honor next to you, one on your right and one on your left. Jesus answered by saying to them, "You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink?" "Oh yes," they replied. "We are able." And Jesus told them, "You will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. The Father has prepared those places for the ones He has chosen." When the ten, I love this bit. When the ten disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. I love this. It's like the other ones here. Like, no, we should have asked that question, and they're like, Peter, we lost our place. You know, we could have sat on the right and the left. And just, I love the disciples, the interplay. They're, they're a funny bunch. And uh, oh, sorry, my page down. He says, when uh, when the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is teaching an interesting thing here to his disciples who were vying for position in their lives. We're thinking, okay, we're, uh, I'm with Jesus now, and you know he, he loves me, and uh, I'm important to God, and so now I want to work out where my position is. And, and they're asking, and well, they don't actually ask; they get their mum to go and ask, you know. And it's interesting if you read it, the mum asks, but Jesus answers the boys because <laughs> he, he just Jesus just knows, you know. And uh, they want to know where, what position am I going to hold, you know? What level can I, can I attain? And Jesus flips it. And what you find is when uh, Jesus was obsessed with talking about a thing called the kingdom, he would always talk about the kingdom. And in so many parables and stories, the, the kingdom is always um, spoken of as a place where the rules of this world and the assumptions of the power in this world get flipped. And this is no different. Because the kingdom of God, as we begin to walk with Jesus and uh, look to follow what God wants. We've got to realise that, that, that things will flip for us. That The way we view power and position and the way that we live our lives is probably going to change as we begin to listen to Jesus and what he says about our position and our power and the way we have to live among other people. It gets flipped. And Jesus says some interesting things here. He says, you know, Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be last. Jesus told a really interesting story. He said, you know, when you go, when, when you go to a banquet or you're invited to someone's house, he said, don't, don't go in and um, go to the, the best seat in the table, you know, the place of highest privilege, because if someone more important than you comes in, you'll be embarrassed because they'll say, yeah, move, up. that's my seat, move out my seat and, and go and sit down in the humble place. He said, instead, you go and you choose the humble place because then you might get elevated, right? You, someone might come in and say, Hey, come up, come up, the, the, you know, come to the, get off the kid's table, come where the grown-ups are, you know? And there's always in the kingdom this, this weird tension and friction between maybe our, our world and our way of doing things and God's way, which is that things get flipped and as we follow Jesus, the, w- the way that we use our power, if you like, the way we use our position is differently to maybe we've done before, or maybe the way the, the, the world and the customs of our world would say. That actually we have to learn to become givers. That actually, as we follow Jesus, he asks more and more that we would consider others, not just ourselves. And this is so important as, fo- as followers of Jesus. And I, I, I'm not trying to whip you guys and saying you don't do it because I think this church is amazing. I think we've got some people here who are just—they just give and they just give and they give, you know. And I'm—I'm I'm, sometimes we're put to shame, you know, by some people, and that's good. But there's always room for improvement. There's always room to think about this. And I've been trying to ask this question to myself: that is my life still basically about me? It's a good question to ask. A difficult question to ask. But it's a healthy question to ask. Is my life basically about me? One of my favorite authors says that um, many Christians have just added a Bible verse to a life that is basically about themselves. Harsh. That many Christians have just added a Bible verse to a life that is still basically about themselves. Harsh. And I've got to tell you why I wanted to talk to you about this. About giving yourself away. About serving others. About looking around you. And, and look into the needs of others and the interests of others. Well, I want to talk to you about that. It's not because I need more of you on my teams. Not because I, I want more of you doing stuff in this church or, or, or because you know I'm just trying to make you into some sort of robot servant. The reason I want to talk to you about this is because I think that true life is found in serving others. That true life is found in serving others. Who? Um, let me ask you a question. Who is... Uh, who has done something for someone else this week? Just put your hand up. Should be, yeah, most you. Now, keep your hand up if it felt good. Okay. Now, I have a question, and I, I always, I'm always questioning everything. Um, why does it feel good? Why does it feel good when you put yourself out and you help someone else? I know sometimes it doesn't, but most of the time... It feels good. Why is that in us? Why are we wired in such a way that when we look to bless someone else and when we really do something and they realise what we have done for them, or even if they don't actually, why does that feel good? Why should that feel good? I mean, God, when he's wiring stuff up in us, he could have put a, connected a different result to that action, but he didn't. He wired us so when we serve people, when we step out and we do something for someone else and we get out of our own headspace for a while... It feels good. And I think part of why that's true is because what happens is when we begin to serve people, when we begin to, to, to give ourselves away, not just keep stuff for ourselves, but give ourselves away, show a little bit of love, show a little bit of care for someone, buy someone something, bless someone something, when you do that, you are connecting with what God is like. You're connecting with the very character of God. So you were made in the image of God. You were made to bear his likeness. And it doesn't matter if you're a Christian, if you're a Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim. When you do something good for someone else, you feel good. Because that is a deep, deep thing, right in the core of us, where we carry our Father's nature. And as we begin to do that, we go, wow, that something happens to me. And even for us who are the followers of Jesus who we understand who God is like because he's a person we have read about, we have seen, we've experienced. We, we, we understand this even more. We can connect the dots further because we get that feeling and then we realize, actually, it's because I'm being like Jesus here. I'm being a servant like Jesus said he was a servant. I don't know about you, I read that, that Jesus says, oh, I didn't come to be served but to be the servant of all. When you read that, you go like, that seems strange, that God would come and he'd be a servant. If I was God and I was coming, I'm not sure I would take the position of a servant. I'm not sure that I would keep that as my core characteristic. I would keep like lightning (laughs) as my core character or thunder or flying or something. Something impressive. But Jesus doesn't. He chooses servanthood. So it's, it's super important that we begin to tackle this issue in our lives and begin to go okay God how do I serve what does this mean if I'm to be like Jesus and the Bible says that God is looking to transform us more and more into his likeness how do we begin to do that and now I've got a a couple of things here a few things that I'm going to give you some some tips these aren't exhaustive these are just maybe some, some easy way in for you or maybe if you even know this stuff but you're just not doing it this is an easy in for you so how do we get started? Let me give you, first I'm going to talk about how you get started here at the vineyard. Some really simple, easy ways that you can begin to not just gather here, come here every Sunday, come to other things, not just grow here, hear the sermons, go to small group stuff, but begin to give. Okay, Begin to give of yourself. So we look at in, in the vineyard, then we'll, we'll take it to just everyday life as well. First thing, I'm going to talk about... Um, Three different activities that we do. First thing is is active. Okay, you've all heard about this. I'm not doing a a massive kind of plug for this thing, even though this week I had an email from Emma who's trying to get something on. uh, Is it is Emma in here somewhere? Okay, so anyway, it's something on the eleventh right? Something on the eleventh. She she needs some help. So if you're free on the eleventh and you think you can do something, uh, and let me tell you what Vnode Active is. Active, but it looks to practically serve people. Looks to show them the love of God through whatever—painting something, moving something, mowing something, chopping something, streaming something, pulling something—you know, very simple things. And this is one way that maybe, if you're, you know, you're able-bodied, you're good, you're healthy, you've got some time, this is something you can get involved in. And we every now and then we have days where we do this, but at the same time we've got ongoing little jobs that that kind of come up that people go, "I really need this doing." And I've got to tell you. Um, when you do it you will feel good and uh, you, you will know that you've, you've entered into something of God's character when you do it so I'd encourage you if you haven't done it before or even if you've done it before keep at it the, the, the active thing secondly uh, we run a ministry here called Feed Okay, now you know about this I, I, I often tell you about this this is kind of one of my babies I really love it and uh, just to give you a heads up just in case you, you haven't heard this um, Feed is basically a food program where we ask you to um, buy more than you need when you go shopping an extra tin or something an extra packet or something and we give it to people who just have desperate need for anything people who have just housed but haven't got any money people who are living in tents all around the place and I've met a lot of these guys and it's surprising how many people are living in tents somewhere it's quite scary and uh, different um, organisations and different people at different points in their life who are struggling and we look to just bless them with food and I've got to tell you, just to give you my heart on this I love this thing because it's the most simple thing there, there are about although we're, we're a bit low on numbers today there are about a thousand of us in this church and I did a simple math, I thought if we went, if, if, if a thousand of us went to the supermarket and each of us just bought one tin or actually didn't buy, what if we went to the buy one get one free area and we got the free tin and we brought that in i thought wow man that's like a thousand tins i'm a master at maths in steller see what I did there and I thought wow that is so amazing and I've got to tell you it is amazing and week by week and some of you do this I've seen some of you do it today you bring the food in you put it just by the front door there and then we take it into the storeroom which is just kind of kind of invisible out there somewhere and uh, then on Monday mornings we have now it's kind of our regular day we have people come in loads of people uh, just coming in different positions in their life different stories and just in, in need of food and we get to talk with them and just ask them how they're doing and how we can support them we, and we get to give them a bag or two of food that you know I mean, there are differing reactions from people but sometimes you just see you just go like man that just you can see someone just changing through just being given something you just, you just there's nothing there's no strings no there's no strings we want, to, we want you to eat this food it's the only condition on, on the thing eat the food it's amazing but I want to give you the opportunity to get more involved in this. We need more food. Okay, we need more. Our demand is outstripping um, our supply in some ways. And I want to just give you an extra push. And I know lots of you already do this. And lots of you, like me, you've got, you got a feed bag or two. Those, those kind of uh, nice, whatever bags they are, you know, juke bags, in your car somewhere. And uh, you keep meaning to do it, but you keep missing it. And I just want to give you an extra encouragement. Just do it, okay? Just do it. Go and buy some food, uh, stick it in that bag, leave it in the car somewhere so you're not tempted to eat it one lunchtime or something, and uh, then bring it to us. And it's just the most simple thing. It doesn't even have to cost you anything, but it can bless someone so much. So you can donate, you can promote as well. In your workplace, you you work in a big workplace, you can start telling them, "My, my church does this, we take extra food that people buy and we give it to people. And you might want to get your whole company doing it. If you work in a school, you might want to get your whole school doing it. We're we're happy for that. So you can you can promote it. You can tell other people about it and get our little hookups and anyone who's in need in this area you want to try and help. And also you can just engage in it yourself by buying food. But also that there are you know we need people, and as this thing grows, we're going to need more and more people to actively physically do stuff. So if you've got time during the day, during the week, uh, weekends, we uh, we could maybe use you. Maybe not straight away, but certainly at some point so feed and thirdly uh, the teams vineyard teams now this is a massive topic we have like so many teams in, in this church that give and serve so there's let me I've done a list like there's a refreshment team there's like uh, uh, kids work youth work ministry team stewards parking stewards um, you know just toilet roll stewards we just, uh, we're just really going for it in the moment and uh if you're not on a team, if you consider this place to be your home, the place where God is doing stuff in you and you feel like this is my place, and you're not on a team, I just would encourage you to think about joining a team. Okay? Just think about it. And I know you, some of you might, you know, we're very careful with people. We won't force people to be on teams if they're not in that place yet. Okay? We want people to be able to come here and for God to do his stuff with them, and then slowly they get there. We understand that. But if that's not really you, that you know you could begin to serve, that you could once a month be on the refreshment team and just help everyone else here have a donut. Okay? If you know that once a month you could help out with, with uh, the kids' work or, or with the parking stewards, just simply just saying, good morning, welcome to the vineyard, don't park there. You can park there, God bless you. If you could do that and wear a high jacket, which I think you all could do that, um, we would love you to. We'd love you to. These are all ways that just in this place, just in this place, you can begin to give. You can begin to go, okay, I'm going to come to church and it's going to be, my activity today is going to be about someone else. It's going to be about helping someone else find a parking place, someone else find a cup of tea. Just about someone else, not me. It's going to be about giving. Okay, so uh, that's here. What about in, in our everyday or about in just uh, kind of everyday wanderings around. There's a few things here, a few, few tips. Firstly, uh, slow down. Slow down. And just look around you. You know, our lives, we're so busy, man. Uh, and it, we just we rush from one spot to another at this crazy speed. And sometimes you, you can go for a day and not really have registered anyone else's face, but yours in the mirror and the people that you love. It's just, everyone else is just a blur. They were in your way. They weren't moving off the traffic lights quick enough. They had 13 items in the 10 item queue. They just, like, you know, you just different things were going on and you, they, were just, they were in your way. And I want to ask you, as a follower of Jesus, would you just slow down a bit? Just slow down. And just look around you and begin to, to go, Where, where's their need? Where can I serve someone? Is someone struggling over there physically? Someone looks lonely. Can I go and say hello to them? What's happening? What's going on? It's a really simple thing. Just, just we slow down and we go. Okay, it's not just about me today. It's just not about what I can buy and what I can do. And what I go. But what's going on with other people? Simple question. We don't often ask this. Secondly, another question for you. Who are your neighbours? Who are your neighbours? And actually, who are your neighbors? I mean, this is kind of like one of those great spiritual questions. Who is your neighbor? That Jesus always got asked. And we know from the scripture that basically Jesus sort of said, your neighbor is anyone you kind of come kind of in contact with, really. But specifically today, who are your actual neighbors? You live in a house, right, or a flat or something. Who lives under you or above you or next to you? Do you, do you know them? And I don't mean do you know their name. I mean, do you, do you know them? Are you making efforts to... Actually, go where are they in their life? What are they struggling with? What are they into? You know, do you, do you know whether some of your neighbors have some sort of history with church and, and God and are burned or actually are waiting for an invitation? Do we know that stuff? Because that's, that, that's uh, uh, you know, a place where you could step in and begin to just give them information and give them help and give them care. Simple things. Sometimes we're so quick, we're in and out in our lives and we're busy and we're doing stuff. We need to just slow down and just ask some questions. And thirdly, what can you give and where do you sit? Just going back to that parable of Jesus, you know, where he says, when you come in, uh, don't go to the most important place, thinking of yourself more highly than you should, but actually assume a lower position. Where, where do you sit in your lives? As you, as you are at work, with your family, or you're shopping, you're travelling about, whatever you're doing... What position do you actually take? Do you look to take a higher position? To demand your rights? Nowadays in we're into our rights as consumers and rights as this and rights as that and you know our human rights and everything. And uh, Do you demand those things or do you actually just go, what about other people? Do you choose a, a lower position? Or do you just always think that actually the world should revolve around where you're at and what you kind of need now I'm not saying you should just let everyone just walk all over you and you should just take the lowest most humble position of like oh I'm sorry you mugged me I'm sorry I was in the way as you hid me in your car and uh, I'm not saying that I'm just saying you need to when you start looking at lives and going can I be more like Jesus in this situation what would Jesus be doing saying thinking where would he be sitting and the other question there what can you give You know, what practically can you give time money what, what, what is it what, can you, what have you actually got some of you you're all in different positions of life you're in different places some with kids some with not some older some younger some settled in, in a job some um, training or studying are all in different positions but there's always a place where you can begin to serve Jesus there's always a place where you can begin to try and assume the role of Christ, in whatever room you're in. And we need to start doing that. And if you do that, it's not just about trying to be a good Christian. It's about realizing that true life is found in serving others. And as followers of Jesus, we need to be like him. And he said, and he had the highest position you could imagine... He had the most rights of anyone in the world, yet he chose a lower position. If we're going to be like that Lord, if we're going to be like him, if we're going to assume his position, we need to look at our lives and go, am I I right or wrong in in this? Where, Where am I? And we need to adjust. Some of you are going to be in a better place than others, but all of us need to ask that question. And I've got to tell you, you know, part of our gathering thing here is longing for more and more people to to know Jesus. I've got to tell you, um, if you will serve people and if you'll love on people and if your concern will be for them, man, you are the best friend. You are the greatest husband. You are the wonderful father. Because we know this from our lives. We love people that love us, don't we? We just love them. There's not one of you here who has a problem with someone who always blesses you. Oh, that guy, he was in my face today again, giving me a lift somewhere. Oh, I can't this woman, she keeps sending me money. I hate her. You know, it just doesn't work. This is the way we're supposed to live in serving others and in putting value on other people's, not just on on ourselves. Can I have the can I have the band back up? And uh, would you guys mind standing up? Now this is, um, this is not something that can happen quickly and overnight, but it can begin in an instant. It can begin with you just saying to Jesus, um, help me be a servant, show me where I can serve. And begin to ask God to just take the blinkers off. Help me. You're sitting in Starbucks. You're you're driving to work. You're in your office. Just say, God, where can I serve? What can I give today? And you have to begin to do it. And there's going to be times when you're going to foul and it's going to hurt. And let me just read something from... This is a book, um, same author as Philippians. It's in Galatians. And he says this. He says, after talking all about what Christ has done for us and the fact he's made us free and talking about all the new ways in which we're supposed to serve people, he says this. What is important? What is important is faith expressing itself in love. And what is important for you as followers of Jesus is that your faith expresses itself in love. And that word expressing is from the word we get energy from. So what is important for you as you leave this place and in this place when you're here is just that you would put your faith to work, that you would make an effort to love and to bless people. Let me pray for you. Father, I uh, thank you, Lord, that you have served us. That, Jesus, you have gone to the cross for us. And in that place, Lord, you, you served us by taking the lowest position of a, of a criminal, of a man just despised and cursed. And you took that position so that, Lord, we could be like you that we could be your children. Jesus, would you help us? Holy Spirit, would you help us to become servants and to start to just give and give and give to the people around us, Lord God? We ask this in your name. Amen.